Welcome to No Ad, No Problem, a podcast devoted to college tennis and growing the game. Check us out on Twitter at JTweetsTennis and Instagram at No Ad, No Problem. I'm your host, John. Let's serve it up. Hey, everyone. I'm coming to you from my hotel room after seeing a fantastic match against two of the best teams in the country here in Austin. Number one, Virginia knocked out number three, Texas, 4-3 in a match that had really everything you're looking for in a college tennis match. So I apologize if my tones feel hushed. It is late here in Austin. They wanted to get this out as soon as possible. The way that we'll break it down is I'll provide some general takeaways from my experience. I'll talk about each result of the match individually, and then I'll provide some takeaways from the match and where Virginia and Texas go from here. All right, to start, takeaways from the experience. First off, we could not have asked for better weather. It was mid-70s today in Austin, very little breeze. It was a beautiful sunset. It fell to probably in the 60s, you know, a light jacket sufficed. It was really perfect conditions for both fans and players alike for a college tennis match. In terms of the crowd, it was a fantastic crowd. I There were so many people there. And it's funny, I recently got a new phone, 2024, you know, new year, new phone. And I wanted to get videos of the match, both of the players and the experience and you could hardly move around. I mean, you had to sit your butt somewhere or stand. It was standing room only. And I have really never had that experience outside of a Georgia NCAA match. Even in the NCAA finals, I'm able to fairly freely move around and go behind the courts you want to go behind. That was not the case here today in Austin, And I just want to give a huge shout out to the people who came up and introduced themselves, who I chatted with throughout the match. It was so great seeing you, talking with you, learning more about you. Uh, It was just, that's, you know, what makes this experience and doing this so much fun. So really huge shout out to everyone that I was able to meet today. And a few other folks who were in attendance for this match is both Texas athletic director and president were both there there and very engaged in the match and i just want to underscore how rare that is for any athletics event let alone college tennis and so it's so great to see the posts on social media it is so great to see the administration the administration support of college tennis so huge shout out to texas and their administration Now, if that's super positive, one thing that was intriguing to me is I was very curious to see the Texas facility, and they have the two banks of six courts. But first off, there's not nearly enough seating. And throughout this match, it was standing room only, oftentimes with two rows of people standing. And this is a high-class problem because it's great to have so many people in attendance for this match. But it's also disappointing. I was standing through uh, some of the match and I heard people behind me talking about that this was their first college tennis match and they had never expected it to be so rowdy and so energetic which as we all know is absolutely people's first response when they attend these college tennis matches but she was also saying what a bummer to not be able to really see much of the action because unfortunately for her she was in really the second row of standing and so I'm very curious to see what Texas does 
The sight lines in this facility with the metal bars are not great. There's a lot of room for improvement. I'm not sure how they would do it, but this facility is a strong facility, but there's so much room for improvement. It's a little disappointing back when they built it. They didn't nail it and we're in this position because uh, it was just unfortunate to see so many people have to kind of uh, stand and hope to to squint to see. And it was a great atmosphere, but it would be even better if everyone could be in the stands rather than dispersed throughout, less engaged in the match. And that's one of the big differences between this facility and a Georgia facility where everyone's fitting in Georgia's facility and you're going 20 rows high and there are screaming fans and you're all engaged in the match. And this one feels a little bit more disjointed, but that was really the one uh, surprise from this trip that I had. One thing about the match was that there was no Inaki Montez for Virginia. So Inaki Montez, one of their their fourth years, who's been a staple for them throughout his entire career and certainly pretty much lights out for them outdoors in particular, neither in doubles nor singles. So definitely a big footnote in this match and certainly one that you leave thinking, huh, how would this have played out if Inaki was in fact there? But for Virginia, they didn't need him. So let's dive into the actual results. So, and we'll start with doubles. And like I just mentioned, Inaki Montez was out. Inaki Montez has had a lot of success in the fall with the fifth-year transfer, James Hopper, who came over from Case Western Reserve University and had so much success there in doubles. And they did a straight-line replacement. So they took out Inaki Montez and they brought in Eduardo Graziani, who's a fifth-year from Penn, played number one singles for Penn, and the two grad transfers played there together at the number one line. And this is standard NCAA protocol. You can do a straight line replacement for a player that you want to take out. Now, is this team of Graziani and Hopper UVA's best doubles team? I would probably say no. And did that help them win the doubles point? Probably because Spazeri and Harper, one of the best doubles teams in the country, had zero problem with the two grad transfers quickly dismantling them 6-0. And whether it was being unprepared for the moment or just being completely overmatched, that was tough for the Virginia number one doubles teams. But it ultimately played out in Virginia's favor as you go down to number two doubles. That was a rematch from NCAAs and the same victor prevailed. Chris Rodesh, Jeffrey von der Schulenberg, they come back from an early break in that first set of doubles, and they win it 6-4. With that, all eyes turned to number three doubles, and this was the doubles match that featured both of the team's freshmen. You had Giles Bailey of Texas and Dylan Dietrich of Virginia, and it was pretty clear that you had some freshmen out on the court under the lights in front of all of these fans because it was pretty nervy from both, but the nerves kicked in for them at different times throughout the match. Dylan Dietrich missed a whole lot of first serves often in this doubles match, and that hurt them as he got broken back after they went up an early break in this set. He shanked some volleys, but Gilles also missed a few really easy backhands, and I think you can chalk both of that up to nerves. I have no doubt that these teams, if they stay together, will be much better over the home stretch. And ultimately, it was Dylan Dietrich of Virginia who comes up with the final backhand winner. And he and fourth year, Alex Kiefer, 
clinched the doubles point for Virginia, which was already a mini upset. Texas has, I think, historically been a little bit of a stronger doubles program than Virginia, although Virginia took the doubles point in their NCAA semifinal match. But without Nyaki Montez, I certainly wasn't expecting that. And so this was a big boost of confidence for this Virginia team who knew that they would be rolling out a singles lineup without Nyaki Montez. So as we get into singles, a few other interesting lineup notes. On my episode with Ethan, as we were previewing this match, we talked about the matchups that each team wanted, and we anticipated that Texas would, would want a rematch of Micah Braswell versus Jeffrey von der Schulenberg. And interestingly, both Texas and UVA flipped their two and three from what we had seen from them opening weekend. Texas moved Micah Braswell up to number two and Jills Bailey down to number three. And then Virginia moves Dylan Dietrich down to three and Jeffrey von der Schulenberg up to two, which gave you on the Texas side, Elliot Spaziri at one, Micah Braswell at two, your two top players in the country. You had Jills Bailey at three, P.Y. Bailey at four, CM Waldeb at five, and Jonah Braswell at six. For UVA, you had Chris Rodash at one, Jeffrey von der Schulenberg at two, Dylan Dietrich at three, Eduardo Braziani at four, Alex Kiefer at five, and Mons Dahlberg at six. A few weeks ago, if you had said Eduardo Braziani would be playing number four, I would have been shocked. But of course, with the absence of Inaki Montez, that moves people up. And also in their opening weekend matches, when they did play all of Graziani, Kiefer, and Dahlberg, this was the same order. They did have Graziani ahead of Kiefer and Dahlberg. But even with that, number four immediately felt like where there was the biggest delta between the two teams. And that became immediately true as P.Y. Bailey had zero trouble with Eduardo Graziani. The transfer from Penn, 6-1, 6-1. And I'm not sure if it was nerves, the moment, or just a talent gap, but Graziani looked pretty unprepared for the moment and was just outclassed by P.Y. Bailey, who hasn't played four in quite some time for this Texas team. And so that was a quick point on the board for Texas, which they certainly needed after dropping the doubles point. So it was all tied up, one all. The next match to finish was at the number one spot, which was pretty surprising because this was a match, another rematch from NCAA semifinals, and this didn't finish. Chris Rodesh was up 5-3 in the third over Elliot Spaziri, your number one player in the country. And this was an odd one. I thought maybe this match wouldn't finish, or if it would, maybe it would be one of the last ones. Rodesh played very well, but nothing overly remarkable from what we have seen his level at uh, in the past few months. You know, the depth, the pace, even the volleys were all working for Chris Rodesh. He definitely played really good tennis, but Spaziri did look flat is kind of the best word I could describe it. He missed a lot more balls than I'm used to seeing him miss. Certainly a testament to Rodesh's pace and depth, but it really never felt like Spaziri got his footing in this match, which was unfortunate because that is kind of the center court here at Texas. That's where most of the fans are, although it was hard to find seating anywhere behind any court. And you certainly were looking for that that fan base to get more engaged in this match. Spaziri, clearly number one player in the country, number one player for Texas. 
And it starts at the top there. And so this was a massive win for Chris Rodesh, who probably wishes he had gotten this win in the semifinals last year. But this will help Chris Rodesh's ranking uh, significantly. And all of these players now very attuned to what their ranking is, given the accelerated programs and the offering that will provide once both Chris Rodesh and Elliot Spaziri finish their collegiate career this year. But with that, not only did that silence the crowd a little bit, but it brought UVA up to one. In quick fashion, though, the number two player in the country and number two player in the Texas lineup, Micah Braswell, won again against Jeffrey von der Schulenberg, 6-4, in another rematch, the one that we thought Texas would want and UVA would want to avoid. Look, this matchup, it's a little Spider-Man meme to me, like, it's almost like Braswell is thinking anything you can do, I can do better because he just does everything a little bit better than Jeffrey von der Schulenberg. He serves big, bigger. He hits bigger off the ground. It's just not much more to say other than Micah Braswell does everything better than Jeffrey von der Schulenberg. And the match is always going to be on Micah's racket. And this match certainly was. He was playing to the crowd. Another solid victory for Micah Braswell, who is playing some of the best tennis of his career. So that notched us at 2-2. And again, there were a lot of straight set matches here. Uh, I mean, these first four singles matches, actually the first five singles matches were all in straight sets, but we're at two all here. And then number six, Mon Stahlberg of Virginia beats Jonah Braswell of Texas, 6-3, 6-3. We really hadn't seen much of Mons Dahlberg going into the fall and certainly coming into this match, I really questioned his form on paper. This is a slam dunk for Texas. In our predictions episode, in our mailbag episode, we got a question about what would be the most solid point for Texas, Virginia, and Ohio State. And Texas number six immediately came to mind. On paper, this is a team that should probably never lose at six and in their elite debut we'll say they drop a straight set match to virginia at six and this is when well it wasn't exactly this moment but just in general when you started to see how much success virginia was having in the lower half of this lineup that's when it got a little concerning for texas because particularly with virginia missing number two and yaki montez everyone has to move up you were looking for Texas to get quick sweeps, really, at four through six. And that did not happen. And so Mons Dahlberg gets the win there at six. I didn't get to see a ton of this match. Uh, it seemed like Jonah was missing a lot more than what I'm used to seeing. It looked like he was struggling with some of the slice from Dahlberg. But this is the Dahlberg that we saw exactly in 2023. He's just going to bear down and grind it out. And that was really the theme of really one of my takeaways from this match is that this Virginia squad who, despite all of the gaps in summer play or fall play, really has not seemed to skip a beat from their May form of 2023. But the win from Dahlberg put UVA one point away from the match. They go up 3-2. And this match then comes down to number three and number five spots, which thankfully were right next to each other. So I scooted myself down there to in between the three and five spot. And the next match to finish was 
At number three, Gilles Bailey, the freshman, beats Dylan Dietrich of Virginia, another freshman, 6'3", 7'6". And both of these guys are clearly highly touted junior players, and both absolutely delivered. Honestly, this is really one of the biggest reasons I decided to attend this match in Austin, is I wanted to see both of these guys in person. Their ceilings this season are likely going to determine whether or not Virginia or Texas wins the NCAA title. And Gilles comes in today as a more complete player, and he does everything extremely well. He moves very well. He hits very surprisingly hard uh, off the ground. He has everything that you are looking for. On the flip side, Dylan Dietrich has a very high ceiling. And it's not to say Gilles Bailey doesn't, but Dylan Dietrich wasn't the number one player in the world in 2022 in the juniors. He wasn't a two-time slam finalist. He was a great player, top 50 ITF junior, but he's extremely tall. He is Chris Rodesh height, 6'5", 6'6". And there's actually a lot of similarities between the two. His backhand, Dietrich, is already fantastic. He moves so well for his size already. And ultimately, throughout the match, he took a lot bigger swings or bigger cuts on the ball, and he missed more at the end of the day than Gilles Bailey did. But I really liked what I saw from him. He was willing to come to the net, even though the volleys were super shaky in doubles. And he's going to be a fantastic player in college tennis. I think I emphasized that point maybe more than with Gilles Bailey, because I'm not sure how many years Gilles Bailey will play college tennis, where... For all accounts, it seems like Dylan Dietrich is in this for at least a few years. And yeah, there's a lot to work with there uh, for the Virginia squad. Both of these teams have fantastic freshmen, and it's going to be criminal if neither of these two are in the NCAA singles draw. It's going to be very hard for them both to get there because neither of them really played the fall. And if they're going to be playing at three or even four for some of these teams, for, for these two teams, there's not really a path. And that's criminal because the level from these two was the best I saw from, it was the best level in a, in a match. You know, maybe you could argue Chris Rodesh or Micah Braswell individually, but the two of them going at it had the most fun points. It was the most exciting match for me. Uh, I'm excited to see these two do battle, hopefully many, many times more in their collegiate careers. But the win from the freshman Gilles Bailey at Texas gave Texas a tie 3-all coming down to court five. Two veterans here. You have fourth-year Alex Kiefer of Virginia, fifth-year CM Waldeep of Texas. Kiefer gets the win 7-6-2-6-6-2, your only three-set singles match in this match so fittingly it was the last one on and basically Alex Kiefer just wore CM Maldive down he came back from an early deficit in that first set tie break throughout the first and second sets I feel like are a good summarization of CM Maldive the match was on his racket for many of those points and he either executed or he didn't. And in the first set, he missed too many of those shots. In the second set, they were all landing. But by the end of that second set, just the movement from Kiefer, the ability to get these balls, not just back, but get them back deep and placed well and move CM around when he's not on his front foot. By the end of the second set, CM all deep looked 
pretty gassed. And he was having the trainer work on his thighs on the changeovers. And immediately to start the third set, you could just tell Waldeep had less pop in his ground strokes. He was going for winners unsuccessfully much earlier in the point. He was missing a ton of overheads because it didn't seem like he had his legs underneath him. The serve was not as potent. And I felt like from the first game, second game, it was pretty clear that Kiefer was going to get this done. And he did. He took it 6-2. And just like Kiefer did against Texas in the NCAA semifinals, he clinches again for number one Virginia to get the away win against number three Texas in Austin. My overall takeaways from the match, other than it just being fantastic college tennis match, fantastic atmosphere, fantastic weather. I'm so happy I was able to attend this match. I mean, just what a treat for us to have these two teams who are going to be doing battle likely in May to kick off their seasons really here in January to have two of the top three teams playing each other in January. It's a credit to these coaches who understand the importance of getting this top level competition. I know Ethan on our preview episode talked about why these coaches would schedule this match and why they would schedule it early. And it's because there's no downside. And that will be some of my takeaways from this match. But again, just a huge credit to all of the fans who showed out in January. The season is like just kicking off and Texas showed out in full force. There was a smattering of UVA fans as well. So it was really good to see. What does it look like for these two teams moving forward? On the Virginia side, they come away looking very scary uh, after this match. To go on the road in front of, what, 1,500 fans, beat Texas, who on paper, I I walked through the, the UTRs on paper, Texas should have won at every single position in singles. And for Virginia to come in, get wins against number one player, Elliot Spaziri, and sweep at five and six places that Texas should be significantly better in on paper. It was extremely impressive. And in this Virginia era, where they've now won two back-to-back national championships, we have absolutely never seen a Virginia team look this good this early. And it's scary to think that this is not them fully healthy. They did not have Inyaki Montez in this lineup so there's still room to improve certainly for virginia i am excited to see the development and growth from dylan dietrich between now and may i just talked about his ceiling you know players like Kiefer and dahlberg for as nails as they are already they can continue to get better i think you know what you're going to get from rodash montez von der schulenberg And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this Virginia team reacts. You know, we've seen them kind of be crappy in January and February over the past two years. And it seems like they've righted that ship. And so you almost, you know, the cynic goes, well, is this a harbinger for them going to be losing in May if they start out so strong? This is just not the script we've seen them adhere to over the past two years. But ultimately, you have a ton of faith in this squad and this coaching staff to continue to light a fire under these guys and continue to play their best tennis. But hopefully we get this scary Virginia team at indoors and we get to see the best of the best compete. They'll play Ohio state. They play South Carolina in a few days. So lots of really exciting matches for this Virginia team and excited to see what they can continue to do on the Texas side. 
in all honesty, this could be the best thing that could have happened to Texas. I think the worst thing would have been that Virginia shows up, they don't play in Yaki Montez, Texas rolls, and they come away from this match thinking that they are the top dog. And they didn't look invincible. Clearly, they lost this match. And they're not the top dog right now. It's Virginia. Virginia had it that title in May and may have established themselves here in January. And so for Texas, this reminds me of a similar match of North Carolina women losing last season in the ACC championship final to NC State and arguably one of the best things that could have happened to them to show that you're not invincible. There's a lot of work to be done. Texas in particular, they need to keep improving doubles. Cleve Harper, Elliot Spaziri are going to be lights out at one this entire year. The pairing of CM and PY at two is not the most strong. Micah doesn't have a ton of experience in doubles, and so partnering him with Gilles at three is, we'll have to see how that continues to play out. I expect to see more tinkering with the doubles lineup from Texas, because ultimately, if you're going to beat a Virginia or Ohio State, if you're Texas, it starts with a doubles point. These teams are so good, so deep. Winning four singles feels like a pretty impossible task. So there's no downside here for Texas. Of course, it's, it's a disappointing result for all of the fans who came out. It's a disappointing result for the players as well. But we're January 18th. We're four months away from May. That is a lifetime for this Texas squad to improve the things that they need to improve. And I have no doubt that Coach Burke, the whole coaching staff, and these players will continue to put in that work and that we will see a very different Texas team, not only in the coming weeks as they have kickoff and they have indoors, but certainly for May. And this is why Coach Burke, Coach Pedroso play these matches so early, get this experience under their belt because that's exactly what it is. It's a fantastic experience. And so it's going to be a really fun season. It is just January and I'm looking forward to it. So the tone of my voice might not convey that because I'm trying to be in hushed tones, but this was just a fantastic night and I'm so glad I was able to attend in person. So let me know your thoughts on the match. What were your takeaways at JTweetsTennis on Twitter, at NoAdNoProblem on Instagram, and share this podcast with your friends or other college tennis fans as we head into the full swing of the regular season. I will chat with you all next week. Thanks, everyone.